Welcome to this bedtime story, featuring beloved Christmas memories from Guideposts' Angels on Earth. Abide is now a member of the Guideposts family. I'm Tyler Boss. And I'm Bonnie Curry. Christmas memories are usually some of the fondest we have from our childhood or from raising our own children. As you prepare to sleep tonight, get as comfortable as you can in your bed and take a long, deep breath. Your day is over. God has given you this time to rest your body and let your mind stop its feverish spinning. As you breathe, relax the muscles in your neck and shoulders. Clench your fists and let them relax. Take an inventory of your body and see where you're holding tension and release it. Keep breathing as I pray for you. Father God, thank you for this beloved child of yours who is listening to the sound of my voice tonight. Help them to let go of the worries of today and the concerns of tomorrow. Help them just to be in this moment with you so that they can get the deep sleep that they need. May they be comforted by your presence and relaxed by the stories they hear tonight. Thank you for your love and your mercy and for this blessed Christmas season. It's in the name of Jesus, the reason for the season that I pray. Amen. As you prepare for rest, hear from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Rest in the comfort that this passage prophesied about the coming of the Messiah, and fulfilled in Jesus. Now, close your eyes and listen to some delightful true stories of God's faithfulness and all the little details of life. Here's Bonnie. This first story is called My Beloved Nativity, and it's Tamra Bell's story. It was nothing more than a plaster five-and-dime store nativity. But to me as a child, the heirloom set seemed as beautiful as fine china, I hadn't seen it in 34 years that morning as I picked up the newspaper and recognized the name of my long-ago landlord in the obituaries. The last time I'd seen my family's nativity, I was engaged and living in the upstairs apartment of a home owned by a kind older couple. One day in January, I dropped by to visit my mom. 
She was boxing up Christmas decorations, including the nativity that she always displayed on the piano. It had originally belonged to my father's grandparents. I watched as mom wrapped each piece in tissue paper and placed it in the aged pink J.C. Penney shoebox she always kept it in. As a child, I'd loved to rearrange the pieces, moving animals closer to baby Jesus or positioning the angel to keep a careful watch over the tiny figure in swaddling clothes. Mom would often turn from the kitchen sink and catch me by the piano, strategically placing the sheep in a circle around the shepherd or arranging the three wise men in a triangle as they carried their gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the manger. Turning over the angel as we packed things away, I saw the original price still penciled on the bottom. Five cents. My father's grandmother had collected each piece separately. I handed the angel to mom. She wrapped her up, tucked her into the box, and closed the lid. Then she handed the whole nativity to me. I want you to have it now, she said, placing the shoebox in my hands. You should have it to display in your own home next Christmas. I stored it in my landlord's attic. I got married that next September and moved from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts. I couldn't wait to decorate our tiny apartment that Christmas as a newlywed. I set up a tabletop tree and hung a few decorations. Then I went to the closet for the shoebox. Where is it? I thought, sifting through all the items I'd brought from my apartment. I finally had to accept that the shoebox wasn't there. It had somehow been forgotten in the landlord's attic. Right away, I placed a call to my former landlady. Could you see if it's still there, I asked. She agreed, but returned to the phone only a few minutes later. I didn't see it, she said. I was sure it was there, but what could I do from so far away? Despite my hopes to see it again, that didn't happen not even when I moved back to Pennsylvania. My own daughters grew up without ever seeing our family heirloom. But every Christmas, I imagined them arranging and rearranging the pieces as I had. I knew my former landlady had died, but now the sight of her husband's name in the paper sent me into a panic. What if my nativity was still tucked away in the corner of the attic? What if the house was about to be put up for sale and its contents were cleared out? All these years, I'd held on to a little bit of hope that I'd see the nativity again. Perhaps my seeing the obituary was a warning. Act now or lose the nativity forever. I jumped on the internet to track down an old schoolmate who'd married into the landlord's family. Did she know what had become of the house? My son is moving into it, she said. He started cleaning it out. I'm sure he'd be glad to look in the attic for you. I spent the next day in suspense until I heard from her again. 
He thinks he may have found your box, she said. If you want to go over and see. I drove right over. My hand shook with excitement as I pressed the doorbell. A young man answered. Is this it? He asked, holding up a box. There it was. The pink shoebox. It looked exactly the same as it had the day I'd stored it in that attic. Inside, surrounded by tissue, was my beloved nativity. It's a good thing you got in touch when you did, the young man said. This box was hours away from being donated. Back at home, I didn't wait for Christmas. Unwrapping each piece was like meeting an old friend. I said a special prayer of thanks as I admired the dime store angel. No doubt, an angel like her had watched over the shoebox until it could find its way back to me. God cares about the little things we care about. Every detail in His sovereign hands. Whether it's as small as a dime store nativity or as big as our very lives. God is always there. His watch care over us is evident in this next story titled Our Christmas Goose, and it's Douglas Scott Clark's story. This late in December, the cow path near our house in Tennessee was still covered with leaves, but I knew snow would be falling soon enough. My younger brother, Buddy Earl, and I were on an important mission. Go to Uncle Tommy's place and get a goose. The trek over a little mountain to get there and back would be worth it. Uncle Tommy raised the best geese around, and he'd offered to give us one for Christmas dinner. Dark clouds were gathering in the sky above, and a cold wind came in from the north. As usual, Buddy Earl lagged behind, striking every pile of leaves with the tobacco stick he carried. Put a spring in your step, I called back to him. I don't want to get caught out here if it snows. Buddy Earl pointed his stick at the sky. Those aren't snow clouds, he declared. They'll be cleared out by the wind. At 12 years old, I knew how fast weather could change in the Appalachian Mountains of East Tennessee. I was pretty relieved when we topped the crest and saw a column of smoke from Uncle Tommy's fireplace filtered through the trees. Suddenly, thunder rumbled. Black clouds billowed up from the valley to the west, and lightning forked through the sky like a spider web. Uncle Tommy met us at the door with a grim expression. I ain't rushing you boys off, he said. But the way the wind is picking up, you better get the goose and head for home. I didn't argue. It didn't take me long to scoop up a goose from the shelter in the yard and tuck him under my arm. Buddy and I said a quick thank you and goodbye. We had what we came for. The best Christmas dinner ever even better than a turkey. A light snow started as we began to trek up Little Mountain. 
the summit was shrouded in a whirling mass of dark clouds and flashes of light. We didn't talk for a while. The snow came down harder, blowing every which way. The wind seemed to blow straight through my coat. Halfway to the crest, I turned to Buddy Earl. I'm as cold as ice. How about you? He asked. I stroked the goose's head. I wish we had feathers to keep us warm like you, I said. Or heavier coats. The goose tucked his head closer to his feathered body. By the time we reached the summit, both Buddy Earl and I were in dire straits. We could barely see through the snow swirling around us. Thunder crashed. Flashes of lightning made the trees appear as giant monsters, reaching out with gnarled fingers. Ugh. I'm freezing, Buddy Earl said. I could barely hear him over the wind and my own chattering teeth. I think we should go back. The idea was tempting, but we were closer to home than to Uncle Tommy's house. We had to push on. I was so cold, my legs getting so stiff. I honestly wondered if we would make it. I knew it was past time to get God involved. I kept my praying to myself, but Buddy Earl wouldn't know just how scared I was. But I prayed with all my heart. Lord, we need help. I don't know if I can get home. The snow I can handle, but this cold is too much. And maybe just make things a little warmer for Buddy and me. I clutched Uncle Tommy's goose closer to my chest. The bird was the only thing warm about me. I stepped in front of my brother. Buddy! Open your coat. Are you crazy? He asked. I'll lose what little warmth I have. When he saw I was serious, he slowly unzipped his coat and opened it. I hope you know what you're doing, he whispered. I placed the warm goose inside his coat and zipped it back up. Make sure you keep the goose's head out so he can breathe. Buddy Earl sighed happily. My plan was working. On the descent down the mountain toward home, I started to shiver. Buddy Earl touched my shoulder. Doug, it's time for you to open your coat. He passed the goose to me. His feathered body was as warm as angel feathers inside my coat. For a long moment, he just stood, warming my freezing hands on his body. We passed the goose back and forth between us all the way down. He didn't complain about it either. Not a single honk. At the foot of the mountain, 
we left the wind and whirring snow behind. We stepped up on our front porch, where my mother met us with open arms. Don't squeeze too hard, I said when she gave me a hug. I have this goose inside my coat. Settled in front of the warm stove, we explained how the goose had kept us from freezing. We can't have him for dinner. Buddy Earl and I agreed. This goose might have saved our lives. We had to save his. I don't know what we're going to have for dinner, Mama said. But I couldn't eat him either. I don't remember what we ate. I just know it wasn't goose. Charlie, as we named him, lived out his life piddling around the yard and pond bossing around the chickens we kept for eggs daddy even bought a couple more geese to keep charlie company a life as the most important bird this side of little mountain was fitting for our hero and the answer to my prayer who knew that a goose would be used to help save the lives of two young boys in East Tennessee. God knew. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he knew exactly how things were going to work out. We serve an awesome and powerful God. Job 37, 5-7 says, God thunders wondrously with his voice. He does great things that we cannot comprehend. For to the snow, he says, fall on the earth. Likewise, to the downpour, his mighty downpour, he seals up the hand of every man that all men whom he made may know it. Even when you think that things aren't going very well for you, you might find it hard to believe that God cares let him open your eyes to his gentle mercies this next story our forever Christmas tells about Brenda Johnson's family that did just that here's Bonnie our family moved to Orange Texas in 1976 when my husband, Jerry, got a job in a refinery as a pipe fitter and welder. We left Dallas and moved into a small mobile home. When the job in Orange ended, we waited for the union to find Jerry more work. Months went by. Rent was due on the mobile home, and so were the payments on our home back in Dallas, to which we knew we'd eventually return. At least we'll have a nice dinner. I thought as I drove the girls to the supermarket on Christmas Eve. Amanda was nine months old and Kimberly was three. We'd spent what money we had to get them a few gifts with just enough left over for a nice dinner. It was not exactly the kind of Christmas that would make a lifetime memory. Or so I thought. Even in the supermarket, I was surrounded by reminders of everything we wouldn't have this year. The poinsettias in pots wrapped with shiny paper looked especially tempting. 
I hoped the girls weren't as distracted by the decorations as I was. Kimberly skipped alongside the cart, giddy with excitement. I was afraid she had disappointment in store. Maybe she won't remember this Christmas at all, I thought, pushing Amanda in the kitty seat. It seemed the best thing I could hope for. We finally got through the checkout counter. The exit door opened, and we wheeled out to see a wall of Christmas trees, each one waiting to be untied so its branches could fan out in a special spot in people's homes. Look, Mama, said Kimberly. Sweetie, we just can't get a tree this year, I told her sadly. Amanda was too young to have any expectations, and Kimberly seemed to take it in stride. But I felt terrible. We pushed our cart through the parking lot. Halfway to the car, Kimberly stopped and pointed. Look, Mama, that can be our tree. At first, I wasn't sure what she was pointing at. Then I saw it. A single pine bough lying on the asphalt. It must have fallen off a real tree someone had bought. I couldn't say no to Kimberly again. Okay. I said, we'll bring it home. We swerved our cart over to the branch, but Kimberly was more than capable of carrying it herself. Back home, I found an empty coffee can to set it in. Kimberly collected some rocks from outside and filled the tin can to steady the bow. The girls made a game of it. Don't put any rocks in your mouth, Amanda, Kimberly warned her little sister. While I made dinner, Kimberly colored Santa Clauses and stars and bells with Amanda's nine-month-old help. Crayons were strewn across the floor. I need the red, Kimberly said. Amanda waved a green one. Jerry cut out their artwork for the tree. We set the display on the breakfast bar in our tiny kitchen. That branch was a lucky find, Jerry said as we sat down together for dinner. Maybe it was luck, or maybe it was God showing me that I had been looking at Christmas all wrong. My family and I celebrated many other Christmases with real trees later. But it's the Christmas in the mobile home that we all remember most. What a sweet gift from God for a family who couldn't afford some of the beauty of Christmas. As we close, I'm going to tell you one more story of God's wonderful watch care over us. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Ashley Kappel experienced this truth firsthand. The night before school started, I gathered the kids. Let's say a special prayer for our year, for our teachers and for friends who might be feeling a little nervous or shy about starting school tomorrow, I said. Dear God, I prayed, help our teachers to be kind and wise. Help us to have a great year learning and being with friends who might be shy. Help us to look for them in the lunchroom and on the playground so we can invite them to sit with us. When I finished, my son James 
didn't lift his eyes is it okay if shy kids do that stuff too he asked it's more than okay I said lifting his chin so his eyes would meet mine when I feel shy I find the best way to feel better is to say a little prayer then invite someone else to play if you think about others around you you tend to forget to worry about yourself the next day when James came home from school he said mom we didn't get to pick our lunch spot but we could pick our playground games and I picked tricycles and I invited a new boy I think his name is Oliver to come play and Oliver has a big brother and I think we're going to be good friends he was beaming and I was silently singing praises to God for knowing the prayer that my deep thinking boy needed to hear from my lips Lord make me less so that you may be more teach me to always look for your sheep so that I may show them love that's the spirit Jesus came to earth for that we would show love even to those we don't know even to those who might be our enemies a beloved nativity set from childhood lost for many years and then suddenly miraculously found a Christmas goose meant to feed a family for a wonderful Christmas dinner instead helps keep two young boys warm on an icy trek over a mountain in East Tennessee a branch broken off a bigger tree that becomes a symbol for the joy and simplicity of Christmas to one family and a shy schoolboy who puts others first and befriends a new boy and makes him feel welcome and loved Lord Jesus thank you for loving us and for coming to earth as a baby so long ago live in our hearts now and always it's in your name that I pray Amen.